Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Hey, looking back on my life, um, there's one truth in particular that seems undeniable to me. Maybe not everybody in the room would agree with this, but I know there's some that would. And the truth is this, that some of the hardest moments in my life turned out to be the best. And I, I get for some people in the room today, that may not seem true. That may seem like a far-fetched reality, but it's true. In fact, um, I've shared this so many times, but it's because this has been true in my life. One of the earliest memories of my life was a hard memory, uh, but it ended up being so good that God used it in my life. My uh, grandparents, I shared this before, when I was about five years old, they were hit head on by a drunk driver and uh, were, were, should have been dead on arrival. Should have, their time should have been done. And through many, many medical emergencies and, and miracles, their lives were spared, and, and those were really hard days. Those were really difficult. It's easy for me to tell a story, but that was seasons and seasons and even years of a lot of pain and a lot of suffering for them and for, for my family. But see, God used those moments, some of my earliest memories of, of life and faith to shape who I am, what I believe about God, what I believe is possible, what he can do my understanding of how big God is. And so God used something bad, something that should have been one of the most difficult things for my family, for me, and, and he used it for good. I believe there's people in this room today that, that believe that's true, that some of the hardest things, the hardest moments of your life can somehow be good. So today I wanna, I wanna ask that question. What if the hardest words of Jesus can ultimately bring us the most life? What if the hardest words, the words that we may wanna skip over, the words that we wanna flip past, the hardest words of Jesus can actually bring us the most life? We're in the midst of a series that we're gonna conclude today called The Talents. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but the series is really about one question, and it's on the screen behind me. The question is this, what, what does God want from me? I don't know how often you think about that. I don't know. But we, we have expectations for God, don't we? We have things that we expect from him. But how often do we think about what God expects from us? And so we're spending a whole month really unpacking that question, pointing us back to this story, one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. Uh, it, it's called the parable of the talents. And so if you haven't been here, if you don't know the story, I'll summarize it 
uh, just briefly. It's found in, in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 25, also in Luke chapter 19. But it's a story that points to urgency. The reason is because Jesus told it, and he didn't just tell a story for fun. He wasn't just bored and said, here's a good one. He was actually telling a story to help people prepare for his return. One day, Jesus is going to return. We still believe that's true. And in preparation of that, he tells this story, a story that helps us have urgency as we prepare. And so the story goes like this. There's a master, and the master has resources. And he entrusts his money, his resources to his servants, but he gives them specific instructions. Put this money to work. And so, so he goes, he, he goes off, he disappears, and then he returns. And as he returns, it's clear that these expectations are to be fulfilled, not just to keep what they have been given, but to use it to multiply it somehow. And so, as the master returns, there's consequences. There's consequences because he has had expectations. Uh, for the servant who, who takes what they have and uses it and multiplies it, there's a reward, and there's applause, and there's celebration. But for the one... <laughs> The harsh penalty for the failed servant, harsher than maybe what we would expect, harsher than what would make us comfortable as we read Jesus' words. The servant who isn't faithful with what they've been given is ruined. I told you this is a hard word. So what does this story have to do with us? That's really what we're spending this, this month unpacking. We began at the beginning of the year talking about our time. Time is the great equalizer. We in this room can talk a lot about what we don't have and, uh, oh, look at them. They look better than me. They're smarter than me. And they, all, we compare ourselves all the time, right? But the one thing that we all have in common in this room is time. We've been given 24 hours uh, today. <laughs> I think we've been given 24 hours today. We, we don't really know, right, the next breath in our lungs. But we've been given 24 hours, right? And so how do we use what we've been given in this new day, in this new year, but, but not just for our benefit, but for God's glory? Last week, we talked about money. We didn't talk about money because I like to talk about money. We talked about money because Jesus talks a lot about money. And the reason is because Jesus cares about our hearts. And he knows how often our hearts are connected to our stuff. How often the posture of my heart is like this, holding on to what I have desperately, right? And so Jesus is trying to teach us what it means to not hold so tightly to what is ours, but to entrust it with him, to serve purposes beyond us, to be generous. We desire as a church to be generous, not, not to steward our resources for our benefit and our gain and our glory, but for the benefit of others and ultimately God's kingdom. There's a lot more we could talk about, our gifts, our skills, our opportunities, right, that we have. But today's, really as we close out the series, today's message really is the culmination of all the messages. And it's really going to answer that question. What's the question, what does God want from me? Today's message really does answer that question in, in one word. So if you've been tracking with us throughout the series, if you just showed up here today, you picked a great week to show up. What does God want from me? In one word, are you ready? All. God wants all of us. Now remember, remember, some of the hardest words of Jesus, I believe, can bring us the most life. And so this word today is hard. This word today is challenging. This word today may cause us, some of us, to say, mm, I can't handle that. 
I'm going to put that aside and focus on the things. But, but the truth is, because I love you and because I believe God loves us, we want, to, we want to hear his truth. The truth is, what does God want from me? God wants all of us. All of me. Let's look at, at the words of Jesus. I, I, this is not my word. This is his word. We're going to be in John chapter 15. Again, we've been unpacking the parable of Jesus. We're not going to read that in its entirety. Uh, but look at John chapter 15 today because as Jesus is preparing for the cross, as he's spending some time with his disciples, with those that he loves, he's pouring out his heart. And these words that we're about to read help us understand God's heart for us Today, Look at John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. Uh, Jesus is saying, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. We're going to talk about that in a minute. If you keep my commands, Jesus says, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Remember that the words that we're about to read, that this challenge from Jesus is ultimately to bring us joy, complete joy. I don't know how you would define your life today, but I'm here to say that I, I don't always feel like the first word that I would use to describe my life is joyful. Man, I, I wish it was, but, but I need help. Adrian needs help having joy in my life because it's just not naturally something that I wake up with. It's not naturally something that I feel like I have. And so the heart of God is he wants us to have joy. I believe there's other people here today that would say, man, I, I want joy. I want real joy in my life. And so Jesus talks about remaining in his love, abiding, walking with him, learning from him is the key to joy. Look at now verse 12 uh, my command is this, Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love, we're going to talk about that in a minute too. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Not just to lay down your time, Jesus says, not, not just your, your money, your resources, your gifts, lay down your life. Love as I have loved you, Jesus says. Greater love, greater love is to lay down one's life. And as we get to the conclusion of our passage today, starting in verse 14, I can't help but think that Jesus was remembering his story, the story of the parable, the story that, that scholars believe he told many, many times throughout Scripture. We have just two accounts in Matthew and Luke's gospel, but a story that he told often, principles that he wanted people to, to know and understand. I can't help but think as he's speaking in John 15, he's thinking about that story. Look at what it says in verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. Everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. So, so there's a shift happening here. In the parable, in Luke's gospel, the, the, the trustworthy and faithful servants are rewarded. But here, Jesus suggests the faithful servants aren't servants at all. They're friends. They're friends. Think about that. Not God's enemy. Not a servant, but God's friend. Verse 16, you did not choose me, Jesus said. I chose you, and I appointed you. Why? So that you might bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that 
whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Again, the principle of the parable applies here, right? Uh, Jesus says, I chose you, I appointed you. Why? So that you can hold tightly to what you have, so that you can hoard your resources and what you've been given and hide it away for your own benefit. So no, I chose you, why? So that you could bear fruit, fruit that will last. I began by acknowledging the hard words of Jesus are meant to give us life. What does God want from me? He wants all of me. What does that mean? And if that seems puzzling to you, that God wants all of us, if that seems puzzling to you, you're not alone because that's, that's a hard truth to wrap my mind around. That's a hard truth to really grasp. And so let's look again at these words of Jesus and help understand exactly what God wants from us today. Look at, uh, again, verse 13 with me. Jesus says, greater love. I want you to, if you have your copy of scripture, I want you to underline those two words, greater love. As I was reading the scripture this week, I was just fascinated, intrigued by that idea. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus said, to lay down one's life. Clearly, Jesus is pointing to the truth. If he's talking about greater love, that must mean there's some lesser forms of love, right? There must be some ideas of love, some images of love, some definitions of love that don't really measure up to what Jesus is talking about. Clearly, there are less sincere, less genuine forms of love in our life, and Jesus is calling us to a greater love. We understand that uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, not in English. And so um, there's this really fun thing that happens in translation that not every word literally translates. But in the Greek, there's not just one word for love. We use one word for love. Like, I love tacos and I love my mom. And I hope, mom, if you're listening, you know, I don't love you the same as I love tacos, even really good tacos, right? That's a different word. We use the same word, but we know we mean something different or at least we better, right? When you say you love your football team and you love your wife, husbands, I hope you mean something a little bit different when you say that, right? And so in the Greek, we understand that. And so there's this common word for love. Uh, in Greek, it was philo, which is the love that we often use. That's a love that's reciprocated. I love you and I expect you to love me back. I love you and I expect you to reciprocate that love in some way, even on the hardest days, right? That's the most common form of love that we talk about. But that's not the word Jesus, when he talks about the greater love, He's talking about the agape love, the perfect love, the love that does not need to be reciprocated. Think about that for a minute. Our version, our finite definition of love always needs to be reciprocated because that's how we define love. But that's not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a love that is greater, that's unconditional, even when it's not reciprocated He's painting this picture of a higher calling, a greater love. So why does this matter? Well, it matters because Jesus is calling us to a radically new way of living and, yes, of loving. By our definition, this doesn't make sense. We can't really fathom that. As I'm talking about a love that doesn't need to be reciprocated, some of us are like, I, I can't even fathom living that way. I can't even fathom loving people that way. And the reason we can't fathom it is because in our power, we can't love that way. We can't. 
In fact, Jesus isn't inviting us to do anything in our strength. Look at what he says in verse 12. Right before this command, what does he say? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. See, it's only in and through the life of Jesus that we see this greater love. It's not really, uh, we can't find it on Hallmark, right? We can't find it in the news. We can't find it in and around us. It's only in and through the person of Jesus. Love as I have loved you. And we know that Jesus is literally gonna lay down his life. There's some foreshadowing happening here that the disciples don't even totally understand. As Jesus goes to the cross, he, he displays the ultimate act of love and his command is love as I love you. In and through our strength, we, we can't really embody that love, but that's why Jesus says what? Remain in my love. Jesus is saying, the only way to do this is to stay connected to me, to be sourced by me, that my love would be so real in your heart and through your life that it would spill out of you, that you would demonstrate and live uh, this greater love that, because because look, look, I have loved you that way, and as you experience that greater love, you live it out in a radically different way. And listen, this is important. Jesus isn't suggesting this. This is not some uh, form of self-help or improvement, like, hey, in this new year, take some steps and, and get, no, this is a command of Jesus, a command my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. If we belong to Christ, if we claim to follow him, then the greater love is our call. We're not called to live in love the way the world around us does. We're not called to live in love, a love that, that seeks reciprocation and a love that's calculated and a love that's measured and a love, I'll love you if you love me. And, and we're called literally to a greater love, a greater love that even lays down itself. Remember what Jesus said as he was commissioning his disciples to go and minister to others? It's in Matthew's gospel. I have it on the screen. Whoever finds their life will lose it. In other words, whoever's goal and mission, Jesus said, is to just find life. And look, we're living in a world where everybody's just trying to find life. Get a better job, make more money, climb the ladder, accomplish the, all the things we do to try to find life. And Jesus says, whoever finds their life is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. Uh, if you cling to your life, what a great description of how most of us live, right? Clinging to life. But Jesus says you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But listen, if you give up your life for me, if you lay down your life for me, you're gonna find it. Give up your life, lose your life, lay down your life, give him all. What, what does God want from me? He wants all. He wants all. I brought with me uh, something today that helps me visualize and, and maybe it can help you. Uh, bear with me for a minute while I grab it. Um, this is a box. Yeah, great, you know that, right? But in this box, um, this box is kind of my life. And so I wanna take a minute to describe some of the things to you that are in this box. Uh, in this box are things that I love, things that represent people I love, uh, family. I've got other pictures here of my mom and dad, extended family, relationships. 
that's in the box. Uh, in this box are, are some accomplishments. Uh, my box is not as big as some of your boxes would be because I, I haven't really accomplished some of the things that you guys have, but I have a few uh, things in here that represent uh, accomplishments, things that I've done, things that I'm proud of. Um, even if it was like everyone that finished got a medal, I still got a medal, right? So that, that represents some things to me. Uh, I've got some, uh, you know, teams that I love, things that matter to me. I've got an old clock that represents time, right? My time, uh, things like that. This is kind of heavy, but this represents, it's kind of a symbolic thing, but uh, when, when God called me to ministry and I got to be ordained in the Church of the Nazarene, um, everybody gets one of these. And so it's kind of a symbolic thing, but it represents my, my, my vocation, my calling. Um, I've got some other things in here that represent, this, this is some um, journal, some thoughts, some reflections. I've got a few notes in here that people have written me uh, over the years that just a matter to me, a few notes from my kids that I keep, some encouragement. I even brought, uh, I even brought my savings with me today. So I'll put that there too. It's kind of a joke, kind of. But anyway, this is my life. And here's the thing when we think about this idea, because it's really hard for me to visualize what it means when we say, lay down your life. What does that mean? I mean, Jesus literally went to the cross. And I'm thinking, Jesus, you want me to go to a cross? And, and I don't, I don't. That's literally what he's asking. But I'm just going to describe in, in my life what this often looks like. And so I'm going to put a few, few things back in here. In my life, as I follow Jesus and I think about all the things that life has involved for me and over the years, often what that means for me is I, I think about my box and I think about my stuff and I think about all the things that God has given me. And, and so often, maybe in a service like this or thinking about my life, I'll think about it. I'll keep my savings up here. I don't want to lose that. Um, I'll think about it and I'll say, okay, um, God, I'll give, you, I'll give you my calling. I'll give you my, my, I'll do what you want me to do. And so I've got my box. I've got my stuff. And maybe in a service like this or in a quiet moment of reflection or for me, it was at a teen camp when I was 16 years old and I came forward and said, God, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I'll trust you. Whatever you want me to do, this kind of represents that, right? I'll follow you. And so I, I give him that. And that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. But oftentimes in my life, I'll give him that, but I still got my box. And I still got my stuff. And I still got all the other things in here. There's not bad stuff in here. There's not things in here that are bad. But I, they're, they're still mine. I'm kind of holding them. Maybe a different place in life, right? I might say, um, you know, relationships, not just my family, but my friends, people that I love. And so maybe there's been a season or time in my life where God will just challenge me and give me, I want to love, so I'll, I'll put those, okay, God, you can have that. You can have my relationships. You can have that. And that's a beautiful thing, and, and that's meaningful, but, but it's kind of this calculated thing where I take it out of the box and I give it to him, but, but I'm still... I'm still holding the rest of it. And I think you kind of understand this idea, right? That there's times in our lives where we may sense the call of God and we may respond and say, all right, God, you can have this. All right, God, today I'll give you this. And it's kind of this parsing out, this calculated what we'll give him. And maybe we don't think of it that way. Maybe we don't realize it. But really what we're saying is, God, I'll give you some of it, part of it, the parts of it that I can 
can, I don't have that much savings anyway, God. You can have that, right? Whatever it is, but there's certain things that we'll give, but there's certain things, whether we realize it or not, that we hold on to. And the call of Jesus, the radical call of Jesus, is not, not just this idea, right? We started with time. It's not just this idea that, okay, God, in this new year, 2024, I'm going to give you my time. You can have my time. It's not just this idea of talents or abilities or here's my savings, God. You can. That's cool. That's beautiful. But, but that in and of itself falls short of the greater love, the greater love that we we that belong to Jesus, we that claim that the rest of the world, they don't understand that. They don't operate that way, but they don't, they don't follow the Jesus that we claim to follow. And his invitation is not just give me one thing, not just give me these things, but his invitation is here's my box. And God, I give you all. I give you all good stuff, hard stuff, things I'm proud of, maybe things that I'm not. That it's not this calculation of what I'll give and what I'll hold on to, or I'll give you this this week and I'm gonna hold on to the rest. And this idea of laying down my life is literally an understanding that God, everything in this box really does belong to you anyway. And I've seen what I can do living my life. I've seen what I can try to accomplish on my own. I've seen what a mess I make of my life. What did Jesus say? If you, if you seek to, to find life, you're going to lose it. And I've seen what it's like in my life to try to find life, to try to do the things on my own. And the invitation from Jesus is to, to lay it down, to give him all. And in doing so, we ultimately find the life the joy that we're seeking. I wonder what would be in your box today. Maybe it's way bigger and more impressive than mine. That's cool. But I wonder uh, how many of us today, the posture of our life is, oh, here, you can have this or this. And today, the invitation of God is, I, I want it all. I want you to trust me with all. That's really what I would say. Will you trust him with all. The bottom line that you'll see, uh, the thing I want us to hold on to today is that there is not a single aspect of your life. Listen, some of us today don't believe this. There's not a single aspect of your life that God won't use if you allow him. We, we have to play our part, right? We have to do our part. God wants to use it, but we have to let him use it. And today, that, that might seem unbelievable to you. All I can say and all I can testify is trust him and see. Let him lead. Let him guide. Allow yourself. Lay down your life. Trust him enough to see that there's not a single aspect of your life. There's not a single thing in your box, good, bad, that he can't use if you'll let him. I was thinking of stories, and I was thinking of people in this local church that have just challenged me and encouraged me, and I want to share a picture of my friend Rodolfo and his wife Kenya. They're um, amazing leaders in our Esperanza Viva campus, and um, 
I, I, I've, I've just gotten to share with Rodolfo over the years and um, gotten to hear his story, his testimony several times, and it touched me, and I asked him with permission to just share for a moment today. One of the things that challenged me so much about Rodolfo's story is he, part of his journey is that he was a, he was a businessman, and he had big dreams, and uh, really, things weren't going well. In fact, he, he tells the story that when he came to Christ, his wife came to Christ first, and, and it was really through her prayer and urging that, that he finally came and surrendered his life to the Lord. But, but most of us would think, if that happens, everything else starts going really well, but that's not really his story, at least not how he shared with me, is that actually, as he started getting closer to Christ, his business started suffering. In fact, he had friends that said, dude, you gotta stop going to church. You gotta, you're doing that, and it's messing up everything else, and he commented, it must not have been my real friends, but initially things weren't going better. In fact, in his business, part of his powerful testimony is that things had to hit rock bottom for him. He really had to get to the bottom of debt and what felt like hopelessness in the midst of his business. But part of the beauty of his testimony as he talks about having to walk away from that and the, the shame or guilt, pain, all of that things that I, don't, I can't pretend to really know, but as he was sharing it, and he talked about trusting God in the midst of that, trusting God, I would say, with, with what's in his box, right? And, and God, over time, giving him the opportunity to go back into business again, to try again, to try once again to do what he felt like he couldn't have done before. And as he trusts God, he said, he, I, I, have some, I, wrote, I wrote down some things because I went back and listened to his story this week. He talked about how scared we, he was, but he said this, and it's really, he said, if you put God first, he will multiply your work. And he said, he talked about even now the things that he's accomplished and there's good things now that he could, but he said none of that, none of the things, none of the accomplishments, none of the things that God has redeemed in his business. Today he's, he's a successful business owner. God's using him in great ways in our church, but he said none of that really matters if you don't put God first. In essence, what he was really saying is if you don't give God all, if you don't entrust him with all, none of the other things that you can try to accomplish really matter. It's as if he was listening when Jesus said, if you try to find your life, you're gonna lose it. But if you'll give me your life, you'll lay down your life, you'll, you'll find the true life you are seeking. Uh, Rodolfo ended this testimony by saying, God's blessed me, my business, my family in ways I could have never imagined. Maybe I imagine those blessings aren't always financial. In fact, probably they're not often the blessings that we would think. But today, church family, I believe there's blessing. There's blessing in living this way. Not this way. Not this is how a lot of us live, right? Holding on tightly, deciding what we can give God. But, but there's so much blessing and joy and not having to live this way but being able to live this way. God, it's, it's yours. I'm gonna invite you. Uh, would you stand this morning with me? We're gonna sing in just a minute and pray, but I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. And as you do, I wanna pray for you today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, I, I don't know the posture 
of your heart and life. I just know how often in my life, my posture is holding on tightly to everything I've got. And Jesus said, that's not really the way to find the life you're looking for. So in a room this size, I'm sure there's others today that you're tired and you're weary and you don't have joy and you don't really have peace because you're just trying to find life. And it's not that you don't love the Lord and it's not that you don't want to follow him and it's not even that you haven't given him. There's things from your box that you've given him, but you're still holding on. And today the invitation of Jesus is to the greater love, the love that lays down, not the love that has to hoard and hold on and grab for things to, no but the love that's willing to lay down to sacrifice to surrender in that way jesus said there's joy and so today uh church family i want to invite you to embrace the, the greater love of jesus lord you know today every heart in this room and you know how for some of us this is hard because we feel scared we feel uncertain it feels risky <laughs> We, we, we like control, we, we like to be in charge. And so, Lord, forgive us and help us. The things that we're talking about today are only possible as, as you love through us, as you lead and guide us, as your spirit fills us. And so I pray for every heart and every life in this room. I pray that we wouldn't hold so tightly to the things that have been given to us, but instead, Lord, we would trust you freely, that we would hear your call today, that we would respond with hearts that just say, yes, God, you, you can have it all. You can have it all. It's all yours anyway. God, everything in my life today, you've given me. You've entrusted me. And so today I just respond and say, yes, God, yes. I lay it down at your feet and I trust you with it. Help us, Lord. We need your help. So come as we spend some time worshiping and praying and crying out to you. Come, be, be near to us. Lead us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.